Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Good morning. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. That's where we're going to find ourselves for the next several weeks in talking about this, this question I want to pose to you. Is social media the new Babel? Could social media be the new Babel, the new place where around communication uh, there is confusion, there's conformity, and there's conflict? That's what we're going to look at over these next several weeks. I want you to see uh, how unique this one story is in this particular place and how prophetically it could be speaking to our day in, in these days. So let's look at, at the verses 1 through 9 together of Genesis 11. Now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and break, bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they'll not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the, the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now today we're going to look at these first uh, four verses together uh, in context with this idea of conformity. And this is a story about conformity. Uh, it's a story about confusion and conflict. First today, I want to, to look, first of all, the story about conformity in, in, in terms of it being conformity in communication. Look at verses 1 and 2 again together. Now the whole world had one language, one common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. The whole world had one language, one common speech. So what's this common speech the writer's referring to here? Uh, I've wondered sometimes if it, if, if it, it would be as, as wise and as, ble as blessing-filled as the speech of music. I don't think that's what he's speaking to here, but I remember the first time I went to Nicaragua to share in ministry down there, I was expecting worship music to be like the, mu the music you hear in most Mexican restaurants. You know, trumpets playing and, and, and guitars and nothing like that whatsoever. In fact, they were singing the same songs we were singing in worship, just in Spanish. And be, being drawn in, into that worship experience was, was blissful because it helped me see and, and learn. We have a common language. Now, our dialect is a little different, but we, we have a common language with, with, with these Hispanic-speaking people. I don't think music is what he's talking about there. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the case. It'd be nice. I don't think he's talking about music or even a particular pronunciation. 
I don't think he's talking about Appalachian, you know, southern things. You know, the, I, I, I don't think he's talking about that. I don't think he's talking about a slang. I don't, all those things could be possible. But if all Scripture is God-breathed, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says, and useful for teaching, and what is this teaching us today? Uh, in fact, could this story in this time and in this place be for us today? If it is for us today, then what could this common speech be? Uh, I wonder if, it's, if the common speech could be not a dialect or pronunciation or something, but ones and zeros in terms of our common speech being computer language, the computer on your desk, the computer in your hand or in your pocket or in your purse. I wonder if this story could be talking about that, that kind of common speech that we have in our world today. Uh, did you know that there's almost 3 billion Facebook users in a world of 7.8 billion people? And that there are 1.3 billion twit, uh, Twitter accounts worldwide in a world of 7.8 billion people. The new language, if this new language is ones, ones and zeros, we're already speaking it pretty fluently worldwide, if that's the case. And if, the, if that is the case, the question needs to be asked, what are we saying to each other? What are we communicating to each other? What are we gleaning from each other? What are we hearing? What are we seeing? What are we knowing? What are we reading? If that is our common language today, then how, how is that being communicated? And what are we using those platforms for? What are, we, what are we gleaning from them? And what are we putting into them? So if, if this is a story about conformity as it relates to communication, and I believe it is. It's also a story about conformity in methodology. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, And they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Let's bake bricks, uh, or make bricks and, and bake them thoroughly. This is one of only a few times in Scripture that bricks are mentioned. One of the other times is when uh, the, the Hebrews are making bricks for Pharaoh to build the kingdom of Pharaoh in Egypt. The thing about bricks, as opposed to stone, stone being very uh, uh, prevalent and plentiful in that region of the world, uh, the thing about bricks as it relates to stone is there are no two stones alike. Yet every brick is like the one before it because it's all made from a mold. Bricks are, are poured in a mold, cast in a mold, so that every one of them is unique uh, or rather uniform with each other. Uh, it, it's, it's this idea of a mold that most theologians uh, come around the idea that a man named Nimrod was likely the leader that, that initiated the building of this tower and the organization of this city. If that's the case, he was definitely, I believe, attempting to march them, to mold them, if you will, into a conformed place, uh, using, using the metaphor of brick to do that and, and using the, the idea of their having a common language, a common speech. It's consistent with, with, uh, with the, the methodology being uh, one of conformity, one of sameness, one of uh, really no differ differentiation. One of, that seemed to be, if I can use this word, very socialistic, as it were, in, in, even in this, in this day and time. There's a great deal of reference in our culture today about equity. Now, equity is very much different from equality. Equality is you and I having the same opportunities at things. 
Equity is you're not having the same amount of things. The outcome is being the same regardless of, of experience or knowledge or work ethic or, or, or effort or whatever, whatever else. That's the idea, I think, that, that is being portrayed here about Babel in Genesis 11 where there's this idea of equity. Uh, Nimrod is communicating this idea of equity saying we're all going to speak the same language, build the building with the same bricks, do the same thing, see, see the world through the same lens. If ones and zeros are our common language, then we have to be careful about the methodology that we, that we absorb and that we put forth on it as well. But it's, it's, this is a story uh, about conformity and communication, about conformity and methodology. But thirdly, it's a story about conformity in rebellion. Look at verse, the first part of verse 4. It says there, Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city. Let's build ourselves a city. Now, this is called Babel uh, later on in this passage. And it's called Babel for a reason. The reason is, is Babel means confusion. It's also called Babel because Babel is in, in reference here to, as, a, as an abbreviation to, to the city of Babylon. The city of Babylon is yet to come, but it is a city that was in its day the hub of, of the earth, more or less. It was the, it was the central point of, of uh, communication, of, of commerce, of, of, of uh, um, business and so forth. And according to the scripture, prophetically speaking, I don't want to chase an eschatology rabbit too far this morning, but according to the scripture, I believe Babel will be reset up and reorganized and re reordained during the period of tribulation, seven years of tribulation. I think Babel will be that central city. It refers to uh, between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in the region that's now modern-day Iraq. But the city of, of Babylon will be reestablished, and uh, the Antichrist will use it as the hub for his communication, his, his, uh, his efforts of, of not only tearing down believers and, and killing believers, but establishing himself as God. I believe the scripture teaches that the city of Babylon will be reestablished. Could Babel and Babylon be referring to that prophetic day? I don't know, but it, it could very well be the case. But the first, uh, this, this move to come together to build the city is rebellion against God. I want you to see is that because uh, God told man after the flood to scatter over all the earth and, and repopulate the earth. Well, that's the, that's the antithesis of what they're doing here. They're com all coming together in one place, doing the same thing the same way. So he, he told them to scatter after the flood. They don't do that. Second, they're going back to these very behaviors that brought on the flood in the first place, this sense of meism, this sense of self-importance. Self uh, that they're just a few generations moved from, removed from. You see, God didn't want them to congregate. He wanted them to propagate. He didn't want them to unify. He wanted them to multiply. And they don't, they don't even see that, that, that plan that God has for them, much less step into the middle of it. What does that say to us? There's a great lesson here. And the lesson is this, is the more we're together, the more confidence we have in each other. The more we're on our own, the more dependence we have on God. Now, do we need both? Yes, we do as believers. We need to congregate together to draw strength from each other. But our strength is sometimes, hear me carefully now, is sometimes misplaced in each other when we realize that our strength is God in each other. See the difference there? But when we're on our own, when we're 
if they'd done what God asked them to do, God would have, would have blessed what they did. Otherwise, in the story here, he tears them down and scatters them anyway. We'll see in, in these coming weeks. But when we choose to go, to go our own way and do our own thing, we're more comfortable going, going the way some, someone else is going in, in the same direction we're going because we gain confidence in the fact that we're okay. We're doing it the right way, aren't we? Well, when we're by ourselves, we are more, uh, more dependent on him and need God to, to, to a, 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 a much greater degree um, than, than when, we are, when we are together with others. That's why they wanted to build, this verse says, themselves a city. Not build a city for God, but build a city for themselves. They didn't need God, in fact, for any of that. They had, and God himself says here, they're pretty smart. They, they, they got the wherewithal to do all this on their own. They don't need anything, anybody else besides themselves. They're perfectly capable on their own. So it begs this question that, I need, that we need to ask ourselves today is, what kind of life have you built for yourself and how much of it has been you and how much of it has been God? What kind of life have you built for yourself and how much of it is, has been as a result of your own efforts and how much of it has been at the hand of God, the blessing of God? And I guess the deeper question there is, what are you building? Are you building things that are going to burn up? Or are you building things that are going to live on after you? Are they tangible things, things that we can get our hands on that, that, that uh, again, are going to burn up? Or are they intangible things that are eternal things that will live after us and the people around us? Well, there was rebellion on the part of these early, uh, early settlers here and early, early pilgrims. Uh, that conformity looks like communication. Were, uh, conformity was about their methodology and about their rebellion. But finally, I want us to see that this is a story about conformity and self-importance. Look at the last part of verse 4. They said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower, watch this, that reaches to the heavens so that, watch, we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So that we'll make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. Chuck Swindoll has said, one of the greatest enemies of the Christian life is the religious life. I believe that to be true. Because religion is made up of rules, it's made up of regulations, responsibilities, and rituals. Whereas, uh, and those things are to please God in, in the hopes that, that God will uh, uh, as a result of what we've done, uh, let us into heaven. Uh, relationship, however, reminds us of what God has done for us, not what we have done for God. Rather, what he has done for us. And in, in short, and also in spite of us. But in short, re relationship is about God and religion is about us. I think that's what, what this passage is speaking to. Uh, there's a, an often used quote that is believed by many to be in the scripture that says God helps those who help themselves and perhaps you're here today and you thought that was in the Bible because you've heard it many times isn't it isn't it true that God it's not in the scripture first of all in fact the antithesis of that is true God helps those who are helpless and those who are helpless are you and me I mean, we're helpless and hopeless apart from him now does God come alongside of our obedience to him? Sure he does to bless it. But this idea of God helping those who help themselves regardless is, is certainly not scriptural. And that's exactly what was going on here. They didn't need the Lord for anything. They were totally on their own and going their own way. 
and realizing their own self-importance. But I want us to ask ourselves this morning, why is this little story in the Bible in the first place? It does nothing to advance the kingdom in any way, seemingly. Uh, If anything, it detracts from it. So why is it here? Why is this little story here? Could it be that this story is here for the selfish generation that we find ourselves in today? Could it be this story is here to speak to us, to our generation today, uh, to caution us not to be too full of ourselves, uh, be too self, self, self-absorbed? Uh, Babel is a picture of what self-importance can do when life is about me, uh, about my own, my own notoriety, my own fame. I don't know about you, friend, but that sounds a lot to me like social media. I was sitting on the beach the day before yesterday looking at about uh, probably, I guess it was six, a couple of parents, well, a couple of grown-ups at least, and, and six or eight teenage girls, every one of them with a phone, and in a period of three minutes, I guarantee I saw a hundred pictures, at least a hundred. Let's get the two of us together. Let's get the six of us together. Let's get, take a picture of me looking like this. And at least 100 pictures. And I'm sure probably those are going to end up on social media with their friends to see somewhere. And I, I thought about this passage today as I watched that scene. I thought, man, what a self-absorbed culture we, we live in. And, our, and, and kids are growing up even more self-absorbed as, as time goes on. And I think that's a picture of this very story in, Gen- in Genesis 11. And I think this idea of, of our conforming is one that we should throw great caution to the culture that we're in about. Uh, let me give you an observation as we close and a question. The observation is this. It's like social media, or like Babel, social media is often asking you to conform, to fit a particular mold. In fact, it has algorithms that force you to do that in some ways, in some situations. But it's asking you to fit a particular mold. Are you going to fit the, so, the, the, the selfie, socially, socially absorbed, self-consumed generation? Are you going to be a part of that? If not, what are you going to do? What else are you going to do besides that? Are you going to do what they want? Are you going to do what you want? Or are you going to do what God wants? God wanted man to scatter and procreate and multiply the earth. They wanted to build a name for themselves and a city for themselves and a tower, as we'll see here uh, in the next week or two, that says, look at me. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. And I fear that the common language, the common dialect, is not pronunciation, but ones and zeros over all the earth to bring about some level of whatever control we allow those things to have in our lives, uh, to, to, to manipulate our minds into thinking, I'm somebody. And without him, we're nobody. Let's, let's pray today. Father, thank you today for these reminders from your word about how easy it is to conform, how easy it is to fit fit what this culture wants us to be, how it wants to define us. In fact, I don't even think our culture minds us meeting together here this morning as long as we keep our mouths shut tomorrow. As long as we don't allow it to penetrate any, any, any other aspect of our life and our world. I think they're okay with our being here and 
worshiping our little God with our little friends in our little way. Don't, don't let that penetrate the culture because we need to conform to what they expect us to do. Would you stir something up in us these next few weeks that says, not me, not me. I'm not going to fit that mold. I'm not going to conform to that mold. I'm, I'm heading a different path. I'm heading in, the, in a different direction. I'm, I'm not conforming to what people think I should be, to what this culture thinks I, I should be, but God, who you want me to be, who you've called me to be. Help me to live and breathe and speak and share and think and pray and walk out a faith in you that says, I love you above everything else. And you are the most important thing in my life. Not me, not this world, not anything I own, anything I possess, anything I've worked for, anything I've built. You are the one I've come to, to, to please and to bring glory and honor to. Lean us into those directions over these days and away from this culture that wants us to conform to it. Work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.